if I want what I want for my life, which is not small, I can no longer expect that anyone else is going to be the one who gives that to me. I have to do that myself. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tales from the Journey. I'm Stephanie Zamora and today we have my good friend Lola Pickett here and Lola does amazing work in the world. She works with empaths and highly sensitive people, which I am one of and I know quite a few people out in the world who are that need tools and resources to really navigate the world from that space. And Lola is the author of Wild Messengers Alchemical Tarot. I think I said that right, host of the <laughs> Empath to Power podcast, which is amazing, and founder of Empathology. Lola, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to be here, Stephanie. Thanks so much for inviting me to have this conversation. Yeah, and we're going to talk a bunch about your work towards the end, but I would love to start with you sharing just a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, so I am a highly sensitive person and an empath, but I didn't have that knowledge about myself until maybe about five years ago. And so up until that point, what I had been doing for my whole life was, first of all, believing what I had been told, which is you're too sensitive, you take things too personally, you have to toughen up. You have to get thicker skin if you're going to make it, you know? And so I spent the first part of my adult life buttoned up, shut down, numbed out, and trying to check off as many boxes as I could of what I was supposed to do in order to feel good and in order to yeah. feel happy. And of course, we all know how that story goes because I know I'm not the only one who has done that. And by the time I was 30, I looked around me and I felt like a stranger to myself. I didn't know whose life I was living. And with the birth of my son, it just felt like a huge wake-up call to get to know myself again and see if any of the choices that I had made were going to stick around. And what resulted from that was a whole lot of dissolution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've had the honor of knowing you over the years in the online spaces and really witnessing your transformation. And mm. you have really had this beautiful journey of becoming fully expressed in yourself, in your relationship, and in your work. So it has just been so inspiring and such an honor to witness. And I love that you've shared so much of it with the world because you're right. So many people are in that place of they've checked all the boxes and they're just not happy and they don't feel like themselves. So I love what all you've created over the years. And I've loved just witnessing your journey. And we have similar backgrounds, but I would love to go back mm -hmm. to the start of your journey and like, who was Lola before? Like, what did you, what did it look like your life and relationships and your work and all of that? Well, I, first of all, wasn't even Lola. And I think that's a really interesting point because my birth name was not the name that I have now. And so when we first met and my name was Emily Archer and I was coming out of, like, I was exploring whether I was going to be leaving my first marriage. And part of my journey into entrepreneurship, which is the circles that we connected in about 10 years ago, I was like, I'm going to ask these hard questions and I'm going to ask them on video and publish. <laughs> and we're going to like go through this together with all of my new online friends and see like what it feels like to be really honest about how uncomfortable it is to recognize that you have a whole lot of personal power and you're not using it. So here I was, Emily Archer, new mom, um, bone thin because I thought at the time I should be vegan. 
I thought all kinds of things about what I should be. And I had been a graphic designer and a marketer for a company in the beauty industry most recently at that time. And the thing that stopped me in my tracks from continuing down that path was actually a Facebook post. (laughs) It was like the most random day. I was working at home at the time with my newborn child and he was like, literally had crawled under my chair and I was trying not to roll over his little (laughs) baby arms while I was working. And this Facebook post came up on my feed because I was taking a break and it said, every parent is a liar because what they do is they tell their kids, you can be whoever you want to be when you grow up and crush their own dreams and sacrifice themselves the entire time they're saying it. And I was like, You know, like here I am trying not to run over my child with my office chair while I put together marketing spreadsheets for a company I don't even believe in. I'm getting paid way too little. My boss made me come back early from maternity leave. Like, what the actual fuck? This is not cool. And so I very quickly, in exploring, like, what are my options here? Because this is obviously a no go. I cannot continue this way. I started looking into starting my own business. And because I was a graphic designer, that was like the next natural step, kind of like that, okay, what's the safest possible leap I can make? And in our community that we connected in, people were like, how'd you do that profile photo? How'd you do X, Y, Z? And I'm like, oh, I can do that for you, like 25 bucks, sure. <laughs> and before I knew it, that first month, I had made $10,000, which was like wow. three times what I was making on my salary. And I was like, oh my God, I can, I can totally do this. So I quit my job. My manager said, that's nice. I'll see you in three months when you fail. And uh, of course, I never looked back. I'm still self-employed to this day. But my business has changed along with me as I've stepped into more and more authentic spaces in my own like way of being and my own expression. Because what I would notice is like you can only do so much designing for someone when you're seeing their potential that they are disconnected from and they don't feel safe about and they're not confident in. And so I would like present these beautiful websites and visions and expressions because I could see as an empath, though I didn't know it at the time, who they really were, they couldn't see themselves. And so they'd be like, "Uh, can we just dial it back a little bit? I don't know. So then I would have to coach them like, okay, here's why I'm seeing it this way because da, 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 da. And so my business like very naturally became much more coaching, mentoring, and it just has evolved from there. And the more, of course, that I get to know myself and honor how I'm actually made versus trying to fit myself into a mold, the more that's been able to become possible in my work. And so now it's, it's incredible, you know, what has happened and we'll talk about that more, but it's been quite the journey. (laughs) Yeah, it has. And what, was there like a particular moment or what helped you understand that part of yourself that you were an empath? It was actually one of those It's a moment I cannot ever forget. I was sitting at lunch on a rainy day with my mom in this cafe and we were having this conversation. My dad was um, sick with Alzheimer's. My parents were no longer married at the time. And so we were talking about like just childhood and and things that were coming forward and kind of just the shock of like, oh my gosh, this, this person is disappearing. And what is that about? And she asked me this question, what she thought I had gotten from each of them as a parent. And I thought, oh my God, like what a loaded question. (laughs) And so I was feeling a little snarky 
I was not in the greatest of head spaces at the time. And I told her, I think I got your shopping addiction. <laughs> and I don't know what I got from dad, to be honest. I feel very disconnected from him. And she's like, oh, I think I, I think you got his narcissism. And so this, this whole conversation, I, I played it off like, oh, whatever. I don't think so. Just because I have self-care practices does not make me a narcissist. Right. But I came home and I had this like, trigger spiral for like two days. I mean, this huge trauma response that I didn't even know I was holding or relating to because so much of um, my journey has been opening back up to being shut down. And so I was open enough to have this reaction, which immediately because of the work that I do pointed to, there's really something here that's going on. And so I started to look at, well, what is what does it really mean to be a narcissist? Because that's like a armchair diagnosis that's just flying rampant all the time everywhere. So what is that actually about? What does it look like? What are the different types of narcissism? Is there any of that going on? Because I'm honestly, genuinely not wanting to be a shadow human being um, perpetuating trauma and damage, if I can possibly help it. Um, No, that's not it. But oh, all of a sudden, the conversation about the opposite, which is the empath started to open up. And I realized that I have this legacy in my whole family, especially on the female side of being in the toxic side of that spectrum where we're super self-denying, we're disconnected from ourselves, we're people-pleasing, perfectionistic, hard on ourselves, very, very disconnected because we feel like it's not safe. So much was there and it just opened like the biggest portal of my life and became what is now like a huge body of work around how do we really support empaths in being resilient? Because I needed that. Obviously, it's not something I learned from my family. So how can we go forward in a different way? And none of the empath stuff out there at the time was resonant. I was like, I am not into this whole, (laughs) woe is me, it really sucks, it's so hard, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't want that conversation. I'm not interested in that. I want a different conversation. So nerdiness about physiology and neurobiology ensued. And now I have a a really strong understanding of like the chemistry of it, the neurobiology of it, and also the woo side, the energetics of it. So it's fun. I like it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Horrible conversation, but adorable. You're right. There is so much negativity around it. And I've seen that too. And, and yes, there are challenging aspects to being highly sensitive and empathic, for me anyways, that was before I really understood it and how to work with it. And I would love if you could share, like you started nerding out on it, which I think is great because, because I did the same thing and I did that around trauma and everything. And it's helped me tremendously, but what did it look like for you to take that information and knowledge and start applying it in your everyday life? I mean, the, the change that I saw in myself was remarkable because I went from being somebody who Although I had changed my life already, I had stepped into an amazing marriage. I'd had another child and things were really so much different with my circumstances already, but I still had a lot of my old defense mechanisms up. I had just feelings of still being disconnected. Like, am I still pursuing what I'm supposed to be doing, especially on a career path? You know, like, is this really what I'm being called to do? Or is it just answering what people say they want from me? And so my career 
as always, has kind of been the cauldron for all of this to take place. It's also where my North Node is in astrology. So it's like, you know, it's my spot of development and opportunities and the place where I learn the most and in sometimes challenging ways. So that's really, that's really changed a lot. And then it's also changed my relationship because as I was uncovering all of this, of course, my husband is also a very sensitive person and an empathic man. And we learned so much about each other. We learned so much about where his sensitivity has come from. We identified his dad as an HSP and it's like, puts everything about his dad into context and we're like, oh, we get it now. <laughs> like totally get it. Yes. Highly sensitive human. Here's how we can like relate with you a little bit differently. Yeah. So we all feel better about it. So my relationships also all feel so much better. Even my relationship with my mom, because she knows not exactly where the work came out of. <laughs> I don't think she even remembers that conversation, but <laughs> she has seen things evolve. And she's told me a number of times now, like, I'm really rooting for you because I think that what you're doing is so important. And just having those kinds of shifts happen is really affirming. And then of course, to see it happen for the clients, when you start to say, here's how this has worked, here's the process we all go through, here's the tool set you need. Um, and then seeing that just get validated over and over and over again is really freakishly awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know for me personally, your relationship, the marriage that you have now has has yeah. always been an inspiration. And I, mm. I remember it was all before my loss in PTSD. So I, I don't have the clearest yeah. memory of it, but I do remember you talking a lot about it and sharing as you went through this journey of leaving your first marriage and entering this entirely different kind of relationship and, and really learning how to be vulnerable and, and new and different ways. And if there's anything you're open to sharing about that process, I would love for everyone else to hear it as well. Yeah. I, I call that year when it became clear that my first marriage was no longer the path for me. And when I met Tigray, my now husband, I called it the year of yes, which I think now is like something that Susan Hyatt does. I think like she does (laughs) something like that, which is awesome. But it was like, I felt like I should wear a t-shirt that says, I say yes, because for the first time in my life, I was saying yes to myself. And I was following these little seemingly illogical, intuitive breadcrumbs. The first was to sign up for B-School with Marie Forleo, which is where we met. And and to say yes to like new friendships who would turn out to be kind of mastermind buddies with me or who would open me up to new ideas around relationships. And so all these little breadcrumbs at the time really had no like logical connection to each other and nor did they feel like any of them made sense. So my whole process of navigating this, especially while I was still in my first marriage, was radically uncomfortable because for the first time in my life, I was standing up for myself, knowing full well, it was going to be uncomfortable for the other person involved. Whereas before I didn't have, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't really have the clarity about what I wanted. And so I would just kind of like, I mean, I'm still a bold personality. That part hasn't really changed, but I was self-sacrificing in my boldness. (laughs) If that makes any sense. It was like, I was never bold about me. It was just like, I was sarcastic. I was definitely very funny, but a lot of that was a defense mechanism. 
And so that was a great skill building period of my life because I realized I'm not going to die and it's actually not going to kill other people (laughs) if I ask for what I need. And if I go about meeting my needs myself, there was this moment when I was sitting on the couch in my living room as I knew I was going to be leaving my marriage because I had met Tigray and I was just like, I don't know what that is, but that's a yes. And even if it's a yes for the next two days, it's a yes to that and a no to the last 11 years of my life. Yeah. Like it was that powerful. And I remember I was sitting on the couch going, well, crap, you know, like if I want what I want for my life, which is not small, I can no longer expect that anyone else is going to be the one who gives that to me. I have to do that myself. And that is a very empowering idea, right? Because all of a sudden you're not in a codependent relationship anymore. But at the same time, it's also terrifying because you're like, oh shit, it is up to me. (laughs) And like, and yet that's really what made it possible for me to step into that place of uncertainty with Tigray. And I say all the time, and it's still true that the fact that we had no future together because of all the circumstances at the time, him living in Peru indefinitely for a start, the fact that we had no foreseeable future is what gave us one because we couldn't fall into the trap of the typical dating relationship where it's like, okay, I'm going to start signing my name with his last name and I'm going to start projecting like time frames onto this or whatever. Yeah. None of that was even available from the start. And I think that was a huge godsend because it enabled us to just be present with each other. And so that's what the foundation of our relationship is. It's not expectation. It's not like putting ourselves into a future that doesn't exist. It's in the now still. And when we got married, we got married a bunch of times. (laughs) When we got officially married, (laughs) part of our wedding vows were what I said to him was, this is our honeymoon. It's our wedding and it's our funeral. And if I can remember that every day, then I know I will be a yes to this for the rest of time. Yeah, that's incredible. Gives me goosebumps. It feels amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you guys have such an incredible partnership in so many ways, like within your work as well. It's it's beautiful and inspiring, truly. Mm -hmm. What do you think allowed you... I know you had that nudge to start saying yes, and you were able to trust that, but... What do you think allowed you to trust yourself to navigate all of that change without having, I mean, not just in your new relationship, but your life, like not having any sense of what was coming next? I think it was the pain of staying the same was too great. It was too depressing. It was not magical enough. The life I had been living was one of addiction, one of numbing, one of a constant pursuit of the next thing that was going to bring me joy. And it was exhausting. And I, I, I was the person sitting by the side of my bed in the middle of the night with a flashlight reading Twilight so that I could have some semblance of magic and going, the fuck is wrong with my life? Like I have no glitter. I have no sparkles. I have no vampires. I have no nothing awesome. I have, I mean, (laughs) that relationship is not healthy, but it was sexy and I didn't have that. And I was like trying to get into bed as soon as possible with my pajamas on so that I wouldn't be an invitation for my own husband to pursue me because I didn't want it. And living like that after 10 years of a relationship, 
even though from the outside looking in, it was like, oh, they're college sweethearts. That's so cute. And he's so funny. And she's so sarcastic, (laughs) you know, like um, the illusion was toxic and I was starting to like be poisoned by it and I could feel that. So that was pretty motivating. And I don't know that I trusted myself. I just knew that I couldn't stay in the same place anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have support? I know you joined B school and you started making new friends and relationships, but what kind of support or mentorship did you have for yourself? Yeah, at the time it was also like a real spiritual awakening period for me, which I think kind of didn't make all of this happen, but it definitely coincided with all of these things unfolding in my life. And so I had a spiritual mentor at the time who was teaching me about energy and the chakra system and helping me connect to my guides and those things. And that was that was a pretty new world for me at that time. That was about 12 years ago now. And I remember asking this person who later turned out to be a bad witch, so to speak, but was very helpful in this part of my life. And I asked her, what happens when a soul contract ends? Because I was feeling already this like gnawing insight that things were about to change. And she's Australian. She's like, well, what do you think happens? <laughs> I was like, um, I think I know, like, I think the relationship dissolves, you know? So I had like some, some intuitive support and I had some energetic support, somebody who I could talk to and who I trusted regardless of how that relationship ended up, that mentorship was really, really important to me at that time and grounded me in like that there's more to reality than meets the eye. And so no matter how hard things seem at the surface or uncomfortable, that maybe there's a a bigger purpose to this. And this is a bigger pattern than just your personal existence. And so it gave me a sense of like that ability to zoom out. You know, it's almost like zooming out into deeper time or wider time where you're like all of a sudden an ant crawling around looking down from the sky. And it's like, you know, everything that feels so monumental to me is still temporary. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. Perspective makes all the difference. Oh, goodness. So (laughs) what I love about having known you through all of this, and I mean, I remember loving you when I met you, but I love, I love who you've become and the way that you express yourself. And it is think if we were to take a picture of you now and compare it to Emily Archer from way back, they're two completely different people, even in appearances. And and I don't even mean like your hair or how you decorate yourself and express yourself. I mean, even just like the shine in your eyes is completely different. And I think it can be, I know for me, it was incredibly terrifying and still can be to really say, I'm going to show up fully expressed and compared to who I was, the person that like fit perfectly into what everyone else wanted and needed for me, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a weirdo now. (laughs) And (laughs) there was a lot of, a lot of points on the way to getting to where I am. And there will be even more where it's, there's pushback and people lash out at us because they're threatened by what they're doing and they try to make us wrong and make us feel weird and crazy. And I'm just curious where, if you did, did you experience that and how did you really navigate it? Oh yeah, definitely. I got it from my own family, which is, I think even harder to deal with in some ways than when you get it from the public or like the people of the internet, you know, cause that's just like inevitable. <laughs> but yeah, like my aunt 
who was a very witchy person when I knew her well, like in her younger adult life, she was like very confronted by how I was being. And she, I remember wrote to my mom. My mom told me, I'm like, why did you tell me this? I did not need to know this information. Hello, oversharing boundaries, mother, (laughs) which we now have established, or at least I have. But my aunt was like concerned for my son's welfare. And I remember getting called crazy, unstable, that I was having a psychotic break, that I couldn't be trusted, all because I had changed my mind about what was possible in my life and I was willing to pursue it. Yeah. It was very, very scary for people because it was destabilizing. When your illusion is part of someone else's agreement about what's real, that is unhealthy. And when you break apart the illusion, they're going to feel like they're on the middle of a pond that's breaking up in spring. But that's none of your business. (laughs) And it's not easy. You know, like I still, I'm still an empath and a highly sensitive person, very much in a different place in my journey now, but it still stings, you know, like it hurts to be misinterpreted. That's one of the shadow sides of being a communication empath is that you may always have powerful words to say, but they're not always taken the way that you intended. And so I've had my words thrown back at me. It's just, it's been pretty brutal, to be honest, mostly internal to my family system. And I think also what that's given me is like, hey, if I can get up in the morning after being attacked by somebody in my family, then who cares what some stranger in the suburbs of Madison, Wisconsin has to say about my validity as a human being, you know, like, what do they know? Not a whole lot. (laughs) So true. What was your process of establishing those boundaries? I know you said you had very much been a people pleaser and at the toxic end of the empath spectrum, which I completely relate to. What did that look like? Oh my gosh. Well, it looked like, um, knowing what to say to make people feel comfortable and feel happy until you reach a breaking point and then the biting sarcasm comes in. Um, but it, it looked like manipulating myself mostly, right? Convincing myself that everything's fine. Fine is like the word of the toxic empath. Everything's just fine. Especially if the response to being so sensitive is putting up walls. Like the wall of fine can be very thick and very hard to deconstruct because actually fine is pretty terrible. If you think about it, who wants a relationship that's just fine? Who wants a job that's just fine? Who wants to be at the end of their life dying and go, well, that was fine. (laughs) What? Like that is not goals. That's not okay. And I know that fine is still like an aspiration for a huge number of people because we have such fucked up societal dynamics in this culture that it can sound like I'm coming from a totally ignorant position here, but I'm not. Because the truth is every single person deserves a life that's better than fine. And so we've got to first decondition ourselves to accepting that bar in our lives so that we can then help create equitable situations to help everybody else rise up to that level too, right? And so like to me, that was the hallmark of my before life was everything's fine. 
And now it's like, everything's real. Okay. So not everything is always hunky dory. Not everything is always like orgasmic. Cause I don't know if I could live like that to be honest. Right. <laughs> right? But like, it's very real and there's so much more humanity and like humanness to the way that I am. And I think that's like part of the things that you can sense from the outside looking in of where I've changed a lot is that like, there's a, a more humane animal, truthful, integral, whole being that's living inside of this body now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's so hard. I mean, I remember when I started setting the boundaries and saying what was true and, and showing up in a completely different way, I felt like such an asshole (laughs) because I was so used to contorting myself and bending and folding and fitting however made someone else comfortable. And, and man, did I feel like a jerk, but now it feels so incredibly loving to call name things for what they are and to set boundaries and express my wants and needs. It's, it's so freeing. It's so freeing and it's, it's going to feel awkward. You know, any radical transformation has its like ugly duckling phase or it's flaming phase where it's like, you have to go extra aggressive so that you can find a middle ground that's healthier for you or more authentic to you. Like when I first burst out onto the scene very shortly after I met you and like my website was the color of my hair now. It was like hot pink and black. And it was like my job title is paradigm fucker. And I don't care what yep. you think. Da, 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 da. Um, that was my flaming phase. And like, that's, that's definitely a huge part of who I am. I'm an Aquarius moon. I am here to radically change systems and fuck paradigms, but there's also so much more to me than that. And so much more access can be created when it's a more well-rounded expression of these things. Uh, And so I think it's necessary. It's necessary to be an asshole. Like, yeah especially if you've been overly contorted and puzzle piecing yourself for so long, it does feel liberating and it gets easier. Like I had on my podcast, a really powerful conversation with Tracy Stanley, who's a yoga nidra teacher and she's a black woman. And we were talking and I was like, just very easily speaking to these systemic oppressive structures and the extraction mentality that goes along with it of looking at people as resources to use up and to build upon. And like, it's all very easy for me to say now because I had to go through the white privilege gauntlet. I had to go through my own internalized cultural appropriation process and unpack all of that. I had to see why it was I felt disconnected from my European ancestors. Why was I so ashamed of who I am? And now that I've been through that part of the alchemy, she's like, more people need to say these things. Like, this is, thank you for being so brave. And I'm like, it actually doesn't feel brave. Just like having boundaries no longer feels so scary or so much like I'm a jerk. Like it's become this easy piece of what it means to me to show up in integrity. So it's very natural feeling. Yeah. It's, it's clean too. Yeah, exactly. So you talked about how, and your design work is beautiful. I know that you do. Thank you. Do you do all of your own work still? Yeah. I still do most of it. We, we do have a designer who we creative direct now and he's, his name is design wizard in our org chart. He is a design wizard. 
so it's not all on me anymore, but still the, the vision is here for me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're incredible. You're incredibly talented and I absolutely Thank love you. everything you create. And so in terms of your career journey, you started doing the design work and then you had to start coaching your clients to like step into their own full expression. Share with us how you went from that to the work that you're doing now. Yeah. So one of my first side jobs as I was becoming self-employed with graphic design was to actually help build a training curriculum for a very well-known online course creator at the time. And so that was like part of my marketing job from corporate was to develop our internal in-house training programs. And so I had put that on my LinkedIn or something. So she reached out and was like, Hey, do you think you could do this? I'm the bottleneck of my business. <laughs> I need, I need somebody to do this for me and let's see if it works out. So I did that on the side as well as doing my own graphic design stuff. And so I had learned early on in my entrepreneurship journey, like what it takes to create not only beautiful course experiences, but more importantly, like how do you deliver video training content that's going to stick with someone that they're going to remember, that they're going to be able to integrate and implement and get results from, which was so valuable. And even though the topic that I was teaching on was not like my wheelhouse or my area of fascination, I learned so much <laughs> and I'm so grateful for that little period of time. It was like a year that I was doing that contract work. Yeah. And so as I started to move more into mentorship, I was getting a lot of the same questions from my clients and I decided to put together my very first online program, a little beta program and weave in what I had been learning at the time about astrology and animal medicine and messages and just like alchemy and some of the more esoteric stuff. Right. Um, and weave that into like my first little program. And so I did that and people loved it. And then I was like, well, that was cool. Let me like do that again. <laughs> so, you know, that was fun. And it was like 30 people instead of one-on-one. -on -one. So that was happening. And then my intuition, as I obviously became more and more in integrity to myself, just blossomed. People want to know how to develop their intuition. There are countless programs out there about that. And I'm sure they're all amazing. But I will say that if you aren't being true to yourself, no matter what techniques you learn, you're still going to be clouded. And like the fastest path to badass psychic powers, know yourself yeah, and like honor yourself. So my intuition was like raring out of my third eye, like a little crazy beacon. <laughs> um, and so I started to, to do readings for people and I was able to I have always been able to, and I learned this is actually like a, an inherited gift from the mother line to see people's animal messengers and the guides that are in animal form that are there to help them and what the message was for that person and why that animal. And it was very scary how accurate it was because I had no like training in this whatsoever. Yeah. And so there was this big leap of faith. Um, I did a reading for a private client that I had at the time. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to send my neighbor. And so then her neighbor got a reading. He was like, oh my God, I'm going to send my neighbor. And so I like that. And you did these beautiful yeah. art prints. Yeah. It, it became this whole thing. It was like all of a sudden what I was known for, but at the same time, I was also learning about cultural appropriation and how do I language my work? Like in a way that's not going to perpetuate harm and colonial mentality. Very important to me because my family has a real yucky past as most of us folks yeah. with European ancestry do to some degree. I mean, all of us have complicated human history because that's just humanity. <laughs> 
but in coming to terms with that, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't figure out how to do this in a way that really feels empowering to me. And like, it feels aligned to me. So I'm going to like take that service offline. I'm going to package it, what I can package into the tarot deck. So that became our wild messengers alchemical tarot, which is a really powerful tool that's coming out for reprint. I think and Q2. beautiful, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, beautiful as well. Um, and so there was like that whole aspect of the business that started to take off, like the esoteric arm. And then because I'm also a super geek for science and just like I want to learn all about the mythology and the archetypes and like all of these things, and also what's happening to my chemistry? What's happening to my neurotransmitters? Why does this feeling cause that response? And I love to unpack patterns and like make new connections with things. That's also part of the way that I'm built. And it's also part of my empath gifts. And so I'm like developing these two really kind of disparate sides of my brain, disparate sides of my brand and my work. So the brand has gone through all these different rapid fire, really, if you look at it from the eagle eye, like rapid fire evolutions. I'm sure my clients are like whiplashing. (laughs) Where are we now? I'm like, just hold steady, (laughs) have faith. And they like it because I'm honest about it. And they're like, wow, that's brave. Like you can change your business like that, like overnight. I'm like, "Mm -hmm. you have to, if you're like I am and evolve in the blink of an eye, anything else is a lie. And, and so esoteric has been happening for a long, long time now. The neuroscience has been happening for about five years, which has informed private coaching programs, has informed retreats where we take people to do indigenous medicine work in some cases, certainly soul excavation and adventures, no matter what the context is for the work, but always framed in this, like, what is the body doing? What is the experience that your body is telling you you need? Like, we're not going to just go and blow open your third eye and then be like, right. have fun humaning. <laughs> like, find your seat. <laughs> Good <light>. luck. <laughs> Good luck out there. That is not kind and not sustainable and traumatizing. We've actually had to work with a lot of, a lot of people with trauma related to healing work. And yeah. like the supposed folks who are supposed to support you in the process, which you and I both know, aren't always um, trustworthy. No, They don't always have the knowledge that's needed to bring us to a healthier, more holistic place. And so the work has evolved, the shape it's taken and delivered in has evolved. Most of the focus these days is on two things. So we have a new brand that's coming out. I know you're shocked. Um, <laughs> that's called Excited, Moon and I think is the right word. So Moon and Manifest is, is going to be like the umbrella brand for my work as part of our company. And it's really about how do we honor our sensitivities, the moon? How do we connect with our magic, the moon, and make real the dreams, the goals, and the impact that we are called to, which is the manifest part, in a way that's not extractive, that's not colonial, that's not materialistic. Like how do we bridge these sides of ourselves in a way that's, again, like very different to the mainstream conversation around these things. So I'm really excited about that. And under Moon and Manifest will still be in pathology because we've got to take the work, work to that advanced level at some point, because otherwise, even if we're like laser focused and making magic, we're going to bump up against our resistance, 
our self-protection, not self-sabotage, because it's really not that. It's self-protection. And we're not going to feel safe with expansion. And we need to have the both and. So Moon and Manifest, there's going to be a membership with that to make magic with the moon and then empathology. And that's really going to be it. Like, I'm really excited because even though there's new directions that are happening all the time with my work, it's also simplifying and a reduction of friction and just following the light, you know, following the joy. Oh, that's awesome. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see. (laughs) And I relate to that. I mean, my work is always evolving and what I offer and how I present it as I change. So I think it's completely normal and natural, but yeah, I I give my audience (laughs) whiplash sometimes too. And they're like, oh, you're doing another thing. Look at that. (laughs) Um, I think it's really, it's, it's pretty easy. I would say, and obvious to see how everything you've been through has really influenced both you as a person, but also your work. And I would love if you could share, how has it shaped you as a mom or a partner or in other areas of your life? Yeah. Well, the mom is what like started this all, right? Like that post that was just the big call out. Like, do you want to lie to your kid for the rest of your life? I'm like, oh no, I do not. No. And so what I know to be true about me as a mom and how I've been shaped by the last almost 11 years of motherhood now, my son's about to turn 11, um, is that I'm so much more present with my kids. And we've been through a lot together. My son is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And so he's had kind of a turbulent journey into his beingness. Like I say that he is built with three earth signs being dominant in his chart, because otherwise he would be like, I don't know on what blue planet somewhere, like (laughs) he's like, what is being a human? Like he walks extra hard because I think he needs to remember he's here. (laughs) So um, it's made me able to like be with him, understand his sensitivity because the more mine came online, the more I could like truly empathize, like from a personal perspective versus just like having that cognitive empathy or, like relating to his experience as his experience, but not sharing it myself. I share a lot more now because I'm more me. And I, I ask him and my daughter too, who's six, you know, like what, what is it that, that you want to do when you grow up? And my daughter wants to be a fashion designer. My son wants to be a a, like design engineer or like an engineering product designer. But they both are like, but is that also going to help us do what you do? Because, and I was like, well, wait a minute. What do you think I do? (laughs) All you do, all you do is see me like on my computer talking to people. And they're like, well, I mean, it seems like what you do is you help people feel happy again. And I'm like, that's true. You know, I help them remember how to be happy. And I was like, and yes, you can totally do that with fashion design. That's Lady Gaga's mission with all of her fashion expression. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, products, like let's remove the consumer friction and make them delighted. Yeah, you can totally do that. You know? so <laughs> It's just like brought me that much more close to my kids as individuals. I feel like really proud of who I'm being around them most of the time, not all the time. 
But I also have skills that I've developed in myself and now teach around how do we make repairs? How do we, how do we say we're sorry and mean it? How do we notice when we're getting defensive or walled up or when our sensory overload is kicking in and what has contributed to that so that we can like back it off, shut down the circuit, turn down the sound, like whatever it is that we need physically so that we don't become the fire dragon, you know, that's like, bah! <laughs> um, so I think I'm a more like real mom than ever before. And in my partnership, it's the same, like having the nervous system insight, especially has helped sexuality wise with yeah. deeper and deeper and better and better connections in that department, which is fantastic. Cause it's, it's such a, a myth that we almost all buy into that the longer you're with someone, the less exciting it gets. And so there's this expectation that like things are going to go south or things are going to get stale or things are going to get boring. And because my husband and I are both evolutionary in the way that we live our lives, there is, first of all, no fear that we're going to out evolve each other. And so holding ourselves back there's also this sense that we're continuing to get to know each other because we're almost always turning into like new versions of ourselves. Right. So it's like, I've seen a thousand Tigres and he's seen a thousand Lolas and, and, you know, Emily before that and Rick before he became Tigre because we both changed our names. Like there's just been so much intimacy that's available in my life now because of the way that I've chosen to engage with the challenges in my life. And, you know, like intimacy is a scary thing, but especially as a sensitive person, it's what you want the most. Absolutely. What's one thing that you wish you had known way back when you were Emily? Oh, back when I was Emily, I would say that those little feelings that you aren't who you think you are, are, or who you've been told you are, are absolutely correct. And that all of your play acting at being different characters, at trying on different names, at just like bumping up against the box are like an athletic exercise and to keep doing it. You know, it's like, it's the workout for the breakout. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Such good stuff today. We're going to link <laughs> to all of your beautiful amazingness in the show notes, but tell people where they can find you and how they can learn from you and work with you. Yay. So you're going to be able to find all of my work at moonandmanifest.com. Right now in this moment, you can also come to lolapicket.com. We're going to be migrating everything over slowly, slowly. And you can come and find my podcast, Empath to Power. We are still producing episodes for that. And very shortly, there will be the Moon and Manifest podcast as well. So come and find me. There's so much magic in store. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. I adore you. And I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv free, including access to an eight-week sampler of our renowned journey mapping program. That gives you instant access to impactful training lessons, life-changing exercises, and our signature AccuSesh processes that you can implement immediately. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.